Angela. Defendiendo su cuello. Contra Equitium et Insidious Diabole Esto Brasilium. Imperate Dios. Suplegis de Precomor. Tuque. Conchefs Milichis Celestis. By the power of God, thrust in hell Satan. And with him, those evil spirits who prowl about the world for the rule of souls. I really want to say, I, I forgot what I was going to say. Is that the intro or is that? That was the intro. Oh. Did you like it? Of course I liked it. <laughs> I'm all smackered up. I am just so happy to be back from fucking Auburn. God, what a trip. You can only stare at asphalt for so long <laughs> and look at the physical makeup of asphalt for so long. You can only until, stare at asphalt. Until all you want to do is see boobs. <laughs> <laughs> My question to Boob you fault. is, how many of those guys... That you were with had a hard on while looking at the asphalt. You know the questions some of these guys come up with really makes you wonder their career path. <laughs> guys, context: <laughs> Chase is going to went to excuse me went to a conference in Auburn or a training for fucking asphalt. It was for all very, week. It was cool. It is the NCAP facility and is the the nation's largest asphalt testing facility. Actually, it's really cool because it is important. Everyone every day has to deal with asphalt. Yeah, it is pretty important. I mean, like, everybody fucking drives on asphalt. So, you know, you could, if anything, you could say, I do you all a service. So, fuck you. Yeah, we're glad, <laughs> we're glad you're back, big guy. I'm glad I'm back, too. For all our viewers, I want you guys to just look at Chase's hand movements when he talks. It's so funny. It is. The Italian, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's great. See, here's the thing. Y'all won't fucking know if you don't follow. Yeah. So, go on. I don't even care if it's five fuck. Why? Well, can you do five dollars? You can do yeah, one. You can, you can do $5. any amount. It's just how you hit the 50 tiers. cents. Yeah. If you hit the tiers, that's how you get access to our exclusive, you know, dick pics. But uh, I will uh, tell you right now, my hand gestures are at least worth a dollar. So yeah, <laughs> a dollar would help us a lot. Truly. If every single listener gave us a dollar, we would be able to quit working and no, nah, no, nah, mind. We don't have enough listeners. <laughs> that's, that's a lie. Yeah. <laughs> that we, was in fact a lie. We just do this out of the goodness of our heart because we enjoy doing it. Well, Welcome, welcome, welcome to Stuck in This Purgatory. I'm Chase, and joining me in Purgatory, as always, is Hunter. Oi. And Adrian. I want me a biscuit. You want some biscuits? Tea and crumpets. Do you have some some biscuits, mother? (laughs) No, no, we're fucking broke. (laughs) You dumb cunt. Your dad used all the fucking money. (laughs) The only dollar I had was for this fig. This fig? This fig. Fig? Can we get contacts? It's a that. cigarette. God, yeah, you okay. stupid oh. American. No, I, I had to get it for the viewers. So we didn't... <laughs> You're right. He's, it's, it's, it's historically accurate. White people problems. <laughs> hey. He... <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> that was for the Patreon. <laughs> He's the whitest Mexican I know, so it's all good. I love you, Adrian. <laughs> well, Chase, you tell us where we left off. Whoa. A left off on what? Oh, we were talking episode. about dick pics. Oh. oh, this is the episode on haunted dick pics? <laughs> yes. Yes, we're finally getting to the alien dicks. Finally! I've been waiting all my life. The claws. <laughs> the claw chooses. <laughs> the claw chooses <laughs> as it deems fit. <laughs> we're, we're going back to Toy Story. Oh, man. The movies I did watch. 
Yeah, true. Part two of the Einfeld. Uh, motherfucker, why do I say this? Ein! 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 Part two of the Enfield Poltergeist. Ooh. Did you like that sexy little midnight talk show voice? That was Adrian. Let's, let's start with. <laughs> That's how it all started. Who, who knocked? Was that Sean? Sean? We haven't talked about Sean in Schwan? a long time. Kind of miss him. I know. Sean, can you come show us? Can you grace us? You know what? Let, let's ask what Gross asked for. Can you please make Hunter's ceiling wet? Do not. <laughs> do not do that. Well, like, like, we have clouds that already fell down once. No, no, no. Yeah. This, this isn't a ceiling. No it ceiling. Is a ceiling. Yeah, no, no ceiling. No, no. You mean a roof? Yeah. Okay, oh, roof. No, roof. guys, I've had water leaks in the house. My fucking sprinkler line burst, and I had to replace so the water So maybe that was Schwan. Maybe it was Schwan. Please, no. Get out. <laughs> you know, Schwan's only getting stronger now. You have that, like, light boxer in the basement. You know, when oh. you're upstairs sleeping, you're just like, huh, 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 gonna be a champion. <laughs> he's just training, <laughs> fucking ghost training. He's on the Peloton. He's just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Tofu's just like, yeah, boy, get it. <laughs> Cheering him on. Oh, God. All right, so hopefully y'all listened to the uh, first part of the Enfield Poltergeist. Um, we certainly enjoyed it. We really did. I think we we knocked it out of the park. This this is hard. This got this context first heavily researched topic. That's not something that we have personal experience with. This is a, our first heavy hitter, and Adrian went fucking on it, and I also went, went on it, and Chase went on it. Went, but that was the first movie I've seen for the podcast. That's a big deal, guys. You don't understand. That is props. That's a big deal. Chase Chase don't watch shit. Chase's time is valuable. It is very valuable. He's either on the I'm shitter high, or he's sleeping. I'm a high price man, okay? <laughs> he's fucking, I'm Dr. Mundo. <laughs> Mundo goes where he pleases. That's Chase. He goes where he pleases. Do what I want. All right, all right, all right. No bullshit. So let's do a recap on part one. So we have got the Hodgson family who lives in the UK. They're on some address on Green Street. Correct. 284. They'll look at that. And, oh, hold on. Nice. It's back. (laughs) It's back, guys. Um, And uh, she has a family of uh, four children. You've got um, Janet, who is pretty much the center of the attention with all the poltergeist stuff. And now it's gotten so bad that neighbors have gotten involved. They have had the Daily Mirror out for reports after the police reports came out on what was happening in this house. And now with all this commotion and chaos, the Society of Psychical Research has joined up. And now we've got our main man, Maurice Gross. Yes, so... He, he's, my and he's, he's not really a gross He's my man. guy. He's a cool guy. Yeah. Yes, he's a really cool guy. But uh, once Maurice made the decision to go to the Hodgson household, he said this was the best luck that he could ever get because in his first case investigating, he knew that this house was a genuine case of a haunting. Yeah, well, quote here, you can't here. fake that. Everything's happening was typical. I think that was in the quote. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Everything happening was typical poltergeist cases like it was straight out of the book. The family didn't know what a poltergeist was until follows. The researcher for the society that told Maurice about the incident told them how they would know. How would they? How would they know? It's a ghost. You just don't know until you know. I'm not good at reading quotes, guys. No, that was fucking... Honestly, I was giving them rocker horns. I was giving them devil horns because that was fucking awesome. I love that. Well, as as we've recapped, this whole episode has pretty much risen into this this point when the when Maurice comes in. And 
we're about to introduce some some other crazy characters that really dive deep into what insanity ensues this family. And what's interesting about this family is, although they are distraught, they seem to be sleeping and, and managing their lives decently well. Had my house been like this, I'd I'd probably tap out. Dude, if I could sleep as hard as Peggy could through all this bullshit, I would never be tired. Yeah, truly. And so at a certain point, Maurice starts to get enough, enough, not evidence per se, but he's, he's convinced enough that he wants to stay in the house. So he asks and convinces Peggy to, to let him stay in the house and to basically become an investigator with him to know everything that's happening in the house and report it to Maurice, good or bad. And that's what I like about Maurice is because he's actually going to ask her to try and prove or disprove that the kids are a part of this at all. Anything that they're going to do, he wants to make sure that it's recorded properly. That if something happens with Janet, and we will find in, in certain cases that truly this this case is about 90, 98% accurate. But there is points in this, this investigation where Janet or some of the other kids have messed with the investigation. I, I also want to state just for a KFA fact check that Maurice didn't stay at the house, but he stayed there most of the nights where he stayed till about four in the morning. I actually didn't know that. Well, no matter what, he was there most of the time. And he knew what was happening with the family, with the household, and every little thing. I mean, reading through this book, it's it's crazy how many incidents that they can report just because he was there. It's it's cool. I mean, they seriously took it in a very scientific measure to figure out what the fuck was going on, whether it was real or not. And they took the methods appropriate to make sure if it was factual. So I think that's a huge tune to why this story has prevalence. So when Maurice did show up to the household, he calmed everyone. Because they, under their belief, the Hodgson belief, Maurice was an expert. He was someone that could show up, tell them what a poltergeist is, what poltergeists do, and everything. To the society, he's the newbie. He's the little freshman kid that no one gives a shit, so they're just saying throw this this story at random him. case. Yeah. yeah, and this is what you got to deal with. But to the family, everything calmed them down. So for the first two nights that Maurice was there, n- nothing really happened. You know, he showed up. He was just like, okay, I I can't really see anything. I don't hear anything. What's actually going on in this? For forty eight hours straight, Maurice witnessed Peggy washing rags. Well, Just for 48 hours straight. And that's attuned to the poltergeist activity we know. It has to have some sor- sort of uh, energy given off by the person that it's attached to in order to manifest these activities that they do. And Maurice calmed him down. Like like if you have a leak in your home and you call a plumber, you're like, God oh, damn, I'm glad there's somebody here who knows what they're doing. That's like how I am when I change my oil. <laughs> Truly, it's stressful. Yeah. And I'm just like, just take my car. It's yeah. okay now. <laughs> Fucking Colin does it all himself. I'm like, you're a maniac. Can, can we go back to the fact that Chase actually used a fact that we have went over in the past episodes and Which memorized one? it? Which one? He just talked about how there's a calming effect and the poltergeist needs that sense of nervous. So my-, my This my, motherfucker calls me out of my intelligence all the time. My flowering comments actually had merit because- the Not, common not the pres- flowering. Oh, fuck <laughs> no. me, right? <laughs> fuck me, man. Nah, you just- you I keep tried. On, you keep inventing new ways of saying a period. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get to September 8th. September 8th. September. Wake me September. up. <laughs> oh, you went. I went Planet green. Time, remember? <laughs> I went green day. He went fucking whatever that <laughs> Earth, was. Earth, wind, and fire, Earth, wind, and fire, baby. I love that. That was good. <laughs> September. 
So, on September 8th, Maurice finally experienced his first poltergeist event in the Hodgson home. This was only three days after his first day of work as an investigator. At 1.15 in the morning, Janet was sleeping. Johnny had gone back to school, and Gross and three men from the Daily Mirror joined him that night. The med heard a loud bang within the house and turned to look at the open doorway upstairs to be surprised with a chair in Janet's room that had jumped four feet forwards and turned about a whole 180 degrees. The exact same thing would happen later, about an hour later, with the photographer getting a picture when the chair came to rest. They note that Janet was calm asleep the whole time. I, How? Well, the the crazy thing, and it makes me laugh, because they, they are trying to show people that this is actually happening. But they just take a picture of a chair sitting down. They're like, yeah, you, you need to look at this picture because this is, this is a picture that shows that the chair turned 180 degrees. It's like... It's a picture, motherfucker. <laughs> we need a video camera. I mean, I know it's 1977, but Jesus, we need we need some motion picture capture I don't here. know, man. That's the one thing that makes me skeptical on this, which I mostly believe in this story. But when you watch the videos of the incidents that happen and it, like things flying around... There's like so much space in the room and you could totally see like someone just throwing a fucking shoebox at someone, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's I have to agree with you on this, Chase, because the picture thing, and we'll I don't want to spoil it, but there's another picture down the road that just it just can totally be staged. Yeah, totally. And, th- and that's why I, I give this a ninety eight percent accuracy rate because some of the shit is totally messed up. But we're gonna we're gonna go into that a little bit. So these guys, a little creepy. No, I'm not gonna lie, boys and girls. The reporters went to check if Janet had been fooling with the men. But when they went to check, Gross gently, and remember, this is gently, (laughs) gently forced her eyelids open. One of her eyeballs rolled back and they lifted her arm and dropped it and there was no resistance. They clearly noted that she was unconscious. But imagine some 50 whatever something old men, old, old white men coming on into your room and just, you know, touching you. Touching your eyeballs and touching your uh, arms. Stereotypes. <laughs> it's fucked up. In, I, the, in this day and age, the investigation that uh, Playfair, who we haven't introduced just yet, and Gross do to make sure that the daughters in this case weren't staging everything is actually kind of scary because these these men, they would go into their rooms and they would... Seriously, make sure that the Hodgson family was asleep when any incident was happening to make sure they weren't staging it. Because for the first incidents, they didn't really see everything. They heard it and they would see what's happening. But they they had to make sure they when they closed their door to go to bed, it wasn't just the girls getting up, throwing a chair around. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, there's a chair moving. <laughs> and then they go up and they're like, I can't believe that. No, no. They would go and they would check. And the Hodgson family, they were sleepers. Um, no, seriously, though, he, he's not wrong. In the early parts of the investigation, they were very adamant about making sure that the kids, Pe- Peggy, nobody was making up. They even made sure that the Nottinghams weren't knocking near the house, outside the house. There was, there was so much skepticism in the beginning because they didn't really see that much. I mean, they saw that chair move in the beginning, but it wasn't really enough. So they, in the beginning, were convinced that Janet was just fucking with them. So this is where we have to introduce the next key player into this investigation. This is Guy Playfair. Yes. <laughs> oh, good old guy. I, I do want to state this man for 
everything weird about him because he is so methodical and everything he wrote on paper is so just boring. <laughs> it's just dry. It's straight. It's it's a typical scientific research. Have you guys seen what this guy looks like? This will explain everything. Everything you think this man is is right here encapsulated into a photo. Ooh. Yep, that's exactly. That's Ooh. not even close to what's on the movie. No, no. Oh, I mean that's where Maurice's. I don't know. Was Guy yeah. in Conjuring yeah. Two? Yeah. Oh, well. But yeah. Either way, Harlan. Guy Playfair. He's so methodical in how he researches and how he puts down the evidence that no matter what he did. He tried doing it from a scientific standpoint to show everything. And a little background of Guy Playfair. Before he took on the Enfield poltergeist, he was down in Brazil. And he was writing about a book about another poltergeist case. And during this investigation of the Brazil poltergeist, his client ended up killing herself. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he... It's aggressive. He's very intelligent with poltergeist and what was happening. And so the way Maurice meets play or I sorry, Guy Playfair is through a poltergeist meeting. And like a little like a local like a local one to to London, right? Yeah, it was a it was a meeting through the Society of Psychical Research and this is Maurice sits down next to Guy Playfair. And they don't really talk. The only times they had talked previously is when Maurice said he read one of his books. And that was about it. And then once they go to the lecture, Maurice stays afterwards. And he's asking to see if he could get any help from any of the people within the society. And it turns out no one wants to help a fucking newbie. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Greenhorn, get out of here. (laughs) We sent you on this case for Rian. Go on, get, as Chase would say. Go on, get. Go on, get, boy. And Playfair, Playfair didn't want any anything to do with this either. But he could tell by Maurice's convinced attitude that he had to be there if there was any confusion within the state of Maurice dealing with a ghost. Since Maurice is not an expert, Guy Playfair would be the expert. So, I'm, 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 go ahead. Uh, uh, I just want to say Maurice. I, I want to say Maurice is he's a very endearing man, but he's also got a, a little bit of a confidence about him, even though this is his first case. He's a, he's a self-made man. So I feel like he planted the seed with Playfair, and had Playfair not taken the bait, I mean, this a lot of this shit wouldn't be, have been recorded. So this is I'm thankful that he actually took that risk to get Playfair in because these two really do make this a believable story. They're the best of buddies. <laughs> the two they're best friends just, good old, can have. They're just good old chaps. <laughs> good old mate. Well, Playfair would go on to go to his vacation after he just introduced his new book the day before he had met Maurice. And while he's on this vacation, he tunes in to hear a nice little radio show that, crazy to think about, but Maurice Gross and Peggy Hodgson were on. And he's listening and... He hears about the incidents, and he calls up Maurice, and he asks if he needed help. And from this day, Monday the 12th of September, 1977, is to follow over 2,000 recorded poltergeist events between Maurice Gross and Guy Playfair. Don't throw this by the wayside. Like, 2,000 documented reports. That is fucking nuts. And I mean, for it being something so out of this world, 
you know, purgatory. That's a lot of fucking documented accounts for something that people don't believe in. It is. And it's, uh, it's, there's, there's a lot of compelling and conflicting evidence that is produced from this case. And there's one, and there's, there's one in particular I want to talk about. And this is when we start to get to some of the major points of the climax of the Enfield haunting. And one, one being the picture. You've probably seen this picture. If you know anything about the Enfield poltergeist, you've probably seen this picture. So from this picture, you can see Janet supposedly levitating off her, her bed. And she recounts, and this is an interesting point. I don't want this to be overlooked that Janet was laying in her bed when all of a sudden she screams, I mean, blood curdling scream that supposedly was heard six houses down the street and they run up the stairs and, and Graham or whoever takes the picture comes up and takes, takes this, this snapshot of, of Janet levitating. If you've seen this photo, it's a little controversial because it really does look like her muscles are clenched and she's just jumping off the bed. Have you seen the picture? Chase? Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I, <clears throat> There is no way in God's green earth you could freaking convince me that that she's not jumping in that picture. I'm sorry, like the whole levitation. You're thinking of the wrong one. Which one? You're you're talking about the one where she's like, yeah, like that. No, it's seriously her levitating in the. Okay, I haven't seen that one. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking the one she's jumping. I'm with Chase. On yeah, this. but even still, like, I know this is pretty far fetched, but if you are a strong enough individual and you know how to flex your muscles and, and arch your back quick enough. You can get up off of a flat surface pretty fucking far. I mean, it's a real thing. Like, I'm not making the shit up. So, again, the whole levitation thing, like, yes, there's a whole thing on exorcisms. There's a whole thing on people being possessed. But literally every single case when they say that people who are possessed during an exorcism are off the ground, there is a an action of that body convulsing and projecting itself off the the surface. And it's funny because one of the investigators actually, everything that happened, like the marbles being th- thrown and, and the Legos, they would replicate. And one of the investigators jumped on this rickety old bed. And this is the 1970s poor London, England bed. And he jumps on there. And this, this bed had no bounce. This bed had no <laughs> bounce. So he's like, he could, she couldn't do this. Now, he, they could have British ankles. You could have some weak, weak uh, bone broth ankles <laughs> from 1977. However... Could it could it have been this light girl? And I want this to note for the skeptics that Janet was, quote unquote, an accomplished gymnast. She was an athletic kid. She's 11 years old, 11, 12 years old. She yeah. she is like any kid. She's she's athletic, and you could you could say that she could do something and uh, marvelous. But I don't know this. The picture, I'm 50 50 on. It. Actually, I'm like 60 40. I don't. I think it's fake. Here's I really what I want. Don't. I want Chris Angel to be on here and tell me exactly how he <laughs> levitates. And then I may believe. I do need to know. Do you know how Chris Levin? Oh he fucking fucks with me, dude. <laughs> he gets me. He really gets me. Adrian, there's a part in this that I'm a little confused and skeptical on. And this is the the part where Janet attacks one of the, the investigators. Yeah, so after this, they snapped this picture of her, she... She begins to get in a trance, and Guy Playfair ends up stating many times after this occurrence, Janet would be in a trance state, and she would, like, she she's physically there. They could see her there, but she's not really cognitive, cognitive of what's happening around her. So they get in there, and she's basically letting out screams that could be heard from six houses down. 
And it's waking up neighbors. It's waking up everyone on, on that block. I mean, just think about it. It's freaking loud. And then she starts whimpering as well on top of her screams. And so they go to grab her to get her out of the trance. Because maybe she's sleepwalking. Maybe she's just... Uh, Guy Playfair goes into it how she could possibly have a second personality trait, which is also depicted on a great movie. What is it called? Where the bald guy hunter? Do you know the the one movie where it's like split? I think it's called Split. Oh, where the split personalities? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he's like, I'm the beast. You let the beast out. So in this trance, Maurice wants to calm her down because his first instant uh, instinct isn't that there's a poltergeist happening. Like, he, he thinks that there's something wrong with this girl. Having a seizure, something yeah. medical, right? She, yes. He thinks it's something scientific. So yeah. he runs up to her, and and I want to quote, this is what Guy Play for, Fair says, a couple, a couple blows that would have had her disqualified in any contest. <laughs> so They what? hit her? Yes. No, Janet fucking hit them. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Janet hit Maurice, and the way I I read it, and I want to just pull from it is she probably did some cheap shots to his to his groin area. Yes, <laughs> oh, got them all in the tid tidbits and, and the meat and potatoes. He gave him, he gave him the old eye poke. <laughs> <laughs> so after this, Maurice then holds on to her arms, and then Graham joins in and puts his arms around both of her legs. Kinky play for goes on to state that Janet's face would look deformed and it would start changing into many diabolical faces. Sometimes when I shit, that happens. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> just going to fucking say Fine, that. I beat you to it, man. Yeah, I think fast, boy. While both of them are sitting there holding on to her, Janet starts to nibble. Kinky, again, Literally, kinky. All, all I can think about is like a little kid who's got to take a shit in his diaper. He's like, yeah, uh, uh, I, I guess demon's coming. You shouldn't have talked about shit. <laughs> I never brought up shit. You guys did. <laughs> we did, Chase. This is me and you, buddy. We're on this adventure together. Okay, Nibble is probably not the best one. She started a bite at Maurice's arms. <laughs> and in between all of her screams and whimpers. So she's screaming. Take a bite at the arm, whimpers, screams, take a bite at the arm. <laughs> this is how I systematic. I that's yeah. how that's how it's like when I eat barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> you whimper. Oh god, this is so good. Oh Lord. Well, they they go on to state that she whimpered like a little girl half her age. Ooh. Weird. It it's it's extremely weird because Imagine this is an 11-year-old about to turn 12, and they're saying she's whimpering like a six-year-old. And this is why Guy Playfair states that he's so questionable about the different personality states. Because he doesn't want to go in and say, oh, she's possessed, let's exercise them. Let's state that Guy Playfair, he, he knows what's happening, and he wants to help her, and as well as everyone else. So... While all this was happening, Peggy called the doctors, and in a half an hour of fighting, a doctor showed up and gave Janet a shot of 10 milligrams of Valium. Eminem's favorite concoction back in the day. (laughs) And they stated, and the doctor stated that he believed it was schizophrenia. Rightfully so. I mean, you've got this crazy, crazy young girl going nuts. 
absolutely nuts. Yeah, multiple person disorder. Yeah. Fucking biting people, you know, talking about whimpering like a six-year-old. Yeah, and screaming where it can be heard multiple houses down. I mean, this girl, this girl's not, I mean, she's a pretty normal girl. She's very outspoken, very energetic, full of life, but never exhibited something like this. And this, this is one of the, this one actually gives me chills. So once they, they put the shot in, they thought everything was going to be fine. They're going to let the girl, you know, rest and, and, and collect herself and, you know, get right. They all went back downstairs and they were... It was around midnight when an all too familiar crash, as they hear all these crazy noises throughout the house, upstairs, they hear this crash. Everyone runs upstairs to see Janet hunched over on top of a radio set in the corner, like a baby rabbit, basically on top of like a dresser, just little orphan Annie, just sitting there. I'm probably speaking in fucking tongues. They didn't note that, but that's what I'm imagining. That's later in the episode. Oh, great. So (laughs) awesome. And they're, <laughs> they see this girl. I, I just I just wish I could be in that room and just see Maurice Gross go, oh, I blimey. We're in a we're in a pickle. What the fuck did I get myself into? <laughs> this is first investigation ever. Maurice and Playfair are like, all right, let's let, let's deal with this. And so they they put her back to sleep. And the next night, the same thing happened to Janet. And this is another one of her absolutely weird trances that she goes into the next night and it's weird absolutely weird so this night it was easier to control janet as she whimpered and screamed but for not but not for long janet got out of bed and started to say where's gober he'll kill you playfair goes in a state that in a, a case in brazil he went to a girl that complained about needles sticking in her foot but there was none to be found, and she kept saying, Gozer. The little girl would end up killing herself. That's twisted. Uh, that's the fucking... If we're really going to go into this, that's the sacrifice in Ghostbusters. It is. That is where Dan Aykroyd got got Gozer from with the fucking gatekeeper and whatever. Yes. And apparently this Gozer character has historical reverence, but... It, it's trying to come up when we talk about the medium that shows up at the house. Fucking weird. And she, and she this is multiple trances. This young 11, 12-year-old girl is going into speaking just weird names. Like, where's Gober? Like, what? who the fuck's Gober? Out of nowhere. Well, in one of her trances while sleeping, she woke up from a nasty dream. And during this dream, she says she sees 10 figures in front of them. And it's like they're standing in line at the DMV is the way you play for <laughs> I like that. It's yeah. like, knock, knock, I'm here, gone. Knock, knock, I'm here, gone. What's crazy is that's seriously how I envisioned my dream is when all those people came up to me and then that's left. Oh, yeah. Immediately what I thought yes. when you said it like that. Good good point. So then once they woke up Janet from this dream, she, she asked, why would you wake me from my, my sleep? And uh, Gross goes on to say that you were having a nasty dream. And she goes, yes. And they asked her, who were these 10 figures that you saw in the dream? She goes to say, number one is a baby. Number two is a little girl. Three is a big girl. Four is a very young girl, about 15. Five is a very old lady. Six is a young boy. Seven is getting on to about 18. Eight is an old man. Nine, I don't know what nine is. He, he hasn't got a face. Number 10 is gone. 
This literally is just the phases of death. <laughs> like, baby. You were a baby. You grew up to be a woman. You died. Now you're a boy. You died again. And you're gone. And you're a faceless you're a entity. faceless amalgamy. That's what number nine twists me. Actually, number nine and ten, because, okay, the face well, thing, we know that's that's there's something twisted. But what what is what does it mean by it's gone away? I, I seriously think Gross takes this ten figures thing and seeing a little girl and then not having a face as in taken into context that the little girl then lost her head like his daughter. Yeah, no, think, indiv- oh. no individuality. Yes. Yeah. You guys really think that? Yeah. No, that makes sense too. I've actually, I've been doing weeks of research on this and I've never thought that this could have tied into something weird with Maurice. I seriously think this is when he gets infatuated with it and they start taking steps that they didn't think they were going to. Well, rightfully so, because the next fucking events that unfold just really step this shit to DEFCON 24. Is it higher or lower? I don't know. DEFCON shit show. <laughs> I actually do love, though, how they played off in the movie, because I'm assuming that ninth faceless person is um, the crooked man who lives in the crooked house. I wondered the same thing they in the movie. They did a very good job with that. And and it's weird. Uh, fun fact. Give me, here's my fun fact. Is that that musical box, that weird shadow box, yeah. they actually had that. that that's real. The crooked it man is? is a real like British weird thing. That's a real thing. Fuck. It's some fairy tale weird shit. I don't know. The, the Brits are weird. You know, tea and crumpets. I don't know. You know, we have followers out there. <laughs> we do have British followers. I love you guys. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm all about it. But y- y'all are, y'all have some strange customs. That's well, all I'm saying. Let's introduce the Watsons. The Watsons. And I, I do want to state because we do skip over a lot of events during this time because in between these trances that she was in, they have recordings of metal being bent without anyone touching it. They also have a chart that states how it's being bent without anyone touching it. And they're trying to explain why. You're talking about that fireplace, that, that incident with yeah. the, the mantelpiece or yeah. whatever. And I, I'm going to skip over it because it's not really big in the center point of this episode. But after all these trances and marbles are still being thrown, Legos yeah. are still being thrown. I was going to say, there's a, a lot of these are repetitive incidences. Yeah. I mean, we could we could spend four or five episodes just going in detail every little event. I mean, the cast iron... 2,000 events. Yeah, the cast iron thing that. being bent, like how the fuck they did that. I, we're trying to note the ones that are, are, are buck wild. We're trying to get the ones that are juicy and fat. So after days of Janet being in a trance, one morning she was actually quite peaceful just sitting down and drawing. Well, Peggy states she believed she wasn't fully with them. This is, once again, them believing that she's in trance. Uh, Janet began drawing. And this drawing, it wasn't like something nice and easy. It's going for like hours. No, she began drawing extremely quickly. It's kind of like in the movies where someone's possessed and they're just like scribbling. They're like, ah. In the movie itself, when Lorraine Warren was scribbling in the Bible. And that's what they did a decent job in the movie of. Like maybe it didn't connect to actual factual events that were recorded in the investigation, but they they, they took some shit that they liked, Hollywoodized it, and they made it good because she did scribble in that Bible and Janet does something similar to convey a message. Yes, and out of these nine images that she had drew, the drawings depicted something out of someone's nightmares. The first picture was a picture of a woman with blood pouring out of her throat and the name Watson right next to the pictures. And then the rest of the pictures were just all themed in blood, knives, and deaths. This is when Playfair thought it would be a good good time to question the mother. 
And he asked Peggy, he goes, do you know anyone with the name Watson? And Peggy says, yes, that was the couple who lived in the house before us. This was 12 years ago, just before Janet was born. And she died of a tumor in her throat. Jesus. So this girl's definitely communicating. I'm standing on my pedestal. This girl's definitely communicating with the spirit that died in that house. This house. Or near the house. This house has a lot of deaths in it that revolve around it. So I can totally. What if, what if the original poltergeist of energy events that were, were somewhat benevolent opened up some sort of portal that spirits started visiting that had some maybe minor or major connections with the home or the Hodgson family? What if something, some connection began to unfold because of these events? Possibly. I think possibly. I, I think mean, for that's... the first time in record, as far as we've known in our research, this one is the first time that we've seen something that could possibly dictate something wild like that. Ten spirits. She talks about ten spirits. I mean, I have a portal in my butthole, and nothing but shit comes out of that. So, <laughs> well, I... <laughs> sorry, I'm trying to skip over it. <laughs> I like how you just ignore. You're just like, moving on. Canceled. <laughs> Cancel I... culture. <laughs> I want to state that Guy Playfair really does a good job in his book. Because in the first instances, he he knows that it's very subtle things. Knocks, throwing of Legos, marbles. This sounds like childish stuff. But while Janet is growing to become older, and this is for Hunter to get his rocks off again. Ah, uh, Lord Jesus. Call him out. Call him out. Do the, not. The epicenter of the haunting in the Enfield, they make the conclusion that links all the little hauntings like marbles and slippers into a physical phenomena and the physical state as Janet Janet reaches maturity. So while she's getting older, it's starting to get more serious. When she was younger, it was little things. Hmm. Interesting point. Yeah. And yeah. I think I I think at this point there's so much wild shit going on in this house that they have to they have to rule out in a case like this, they have to rule out absolutely every possible scientific explanation, maybe more holistic explanation, and supernatural explanation. And so what Maurice and Playfair decide is they need to they need to hypnotize Janet. Logical ex- 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 execution. If I see Chase running buck wild through the streets naked, my first thought, hypnotize him, right? Mm, that no. would be your first thought, Adrian. I, no, no, your guys' conclusion is go to Hotel Colorado. That's Irish car bombs. <laughs> 100% <laughs> Irish car bombs. On the bridge. Yes. I have to say, I'm a little skeptical on the hypnosis thing. And I, I think I'll be open-minded in the future because hypnosis, I've, I've, you know the Renaissance Festival here? Yeah, they do a hypnosis thing on stage, and there was a girl. Sorry, Dominique, but there was a girl that I dated <laughs> so, oh, who got okay. hypnotized on stage, and she said it was legit. And I watched her on it. It was this girl I was dating, and she got hypnotized on stage, and I was shocked. And she, I was like, "No," but she claimed it was real. You took Dom to the same Renaissance fest. We took another girl to date on. <laughs> yeah, sorry, there's only one. Slap on the wrist. You're a horrible person. I can't say that. You, me you and want Dom to know what's crazy? <laughs> and yes, you've been. You've been with us. Oh, fuck. That was years ago. We're getting old. Okay, so let's talk about this hypnotizing thing. And I I need you guys to support me on this because I I need to understand some of the reasoning behind this because the hypnosis thing, I get they're going through the the Rolodex of procedures to prove or disprove this situation. But at a certain point, they wanted to see if they had a better explanation of what was going on, what was happening to Janet. So they believed it was dangerous not only if she was possessed because this could have been a possible situation that she was possessed by some demonic entity or something but if she was maybe diagnosed with a personality disorder or 
maybe even schizophrenia. So they decided let's uh, let's hypnotize. So they go in and they hypnotize Janet and Peggy. So I I know a lot of people they just see the video and the audio recording of Janet, but they also did it to Peggy because it made Janet more calm about going in this hypnosis state. So Playfair brought in Dr. Ian Fletcher, who was a qualified doctor and surgeon and ex- experienced hypnosis and a member of the Magic Circle, which is fucking weird. <laughs> this wait, guy, man, wait. this guy's got so many badges. He's a doctor, surgeon, experienced hypnotist, and a member of the Magic Circle. Black magic. <laughs> Worship me. Right. I am Dr. Death. Right hand magic, baby. <laughs> Left hand, if you want to, you know, yeah. try you want to get wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want your life to get fucked up? Left hand. Left hand. <laughs> well, this this doctor, he was very shrewd observer of human behavior, so he understood what the mind could do and what human behavior and what they can control and what not to control. So it took the doctor forty five minutes to get Janet into a relaxed state of mind. And still conscious state because she's going in these trances. He doesn't want to put her in this state of mind when she's in the trance. Put her ass to sleep. No, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want to do that. Okay, so this is a this is a point where we need to talk a little bit about the hypnotism, but also show you guys the audio recording from this session. But I want to say this before we show that is the doctor took care to never ask leading questions under hypnosis. He didn't want to have her say anything crazy or out of whack. He wanted to make sure that it was open-ended because people under hypnosis tend to tell the hypnotist what they think he wants them to know. I.e., if he asked her if she was possessed by Hitler or whatever, she might as well have had said, yeah, I'm, I'm possessed by Hitler. So he wanted to keep it as open and scientific as possible. So let's listen to this recording. want to state for people that are just listening that was janet talking this is a 11 12 year old girl that is talking in an old man's voice and what's also crazy about it is when it because in the audio it says she's taking form of bill watson when he responds with he has 68 dogs her voice instantly changes over to herself talking and saying bloody hell 68 and during all of this audio recording that they have, it it's crazy to state that not even a professional ventriloquist could go through the state that Maurice put them in. She had water in her mouth for some of these audio recordings and 
still the voice would come and it was like someone was behind her speaking through her and this is where i'm skeptical and i'm looking at you chase because this is this is an interesting skeptic point look at my eyes yeah, i'm looking at you so the the fact that they, they refer to this this possession point it's not really possession we don't know it's they refer to it as the voice okay and as adrian said the ventriloquist they bring in couldn't figure out how they were she was doing this voice they even brought in a speech therapist, which was one of the most impressive impressive cases because she said, I actually cannot understand how this girl is reproducing this voice. They figured out the voice, as Adrian said, was coming from the false vocal cords, from the back of the head or back of the neck, where yes, an experienced person possibly could replicate this 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 phantom voice. However, however, imagine if you, what you just heard in this audio recording, try and do that just for a few seconds and not have a raspy voice. She would do this for hours on end at random times in her trances, whatever this bill character, bill Watson, any of these people would literally possess her. And, and this voice would come out and she would sing. I think this is a point where we should add that this little audio clip where she, the bill sing, bill and her sing together. And as they're singing, you go, Oh, I fuck off. You get, play that. There is hundreds of hours of audio and, and some, and, and we are limited by our research capabilities as we are poor podcasters by YouTube. We, there's so much audio out there that probably isn't even released. We, we have so much to divulge on and the insanity that is Bill Watson. I mean, he, he or what or ever he is, this twisted shit. Let's let's end this part off and talking about Bill. Let's let's conclude on Bill. This is one of the most credible sources of of this haunting, as Janet is possessed by this this entity. Come to find out when they talk to Bill, they're actually gonna ask him, and maybe we should save this audio for part three. But they talk he actually they actually find out that Bill had died in the home. He died of a hemorrhage. He, they even ask him if what he experienced when he died, and <laughs> it's twisted. He, uh, so they they go on to further ask him why he's messing with Janet. Why is he moving the bed? Why is the bed jumping up and down? Why is it in this chair? So there was one chair that Peggy kept from the previous owners, which was the Watsons. That he had died in. Well, Janet needed to sit in this chair so he could talk. And it turned out that he died in that chair. And he started moving her bed around because he wanted them to leave. He was a ghost that came back and was trying to search for his family. He was lost and he was in purgatory. This is the main part of The Conjuring 2 that they use to bill is that is accurate they and this is where i do get skeptical a little bit on this it's super credible but the one part that's skeptical is bill would only talk if no one was looking at him so he would only take over janet when no one was looking at him and they did a good job maurice and play uh, playfair did a really good job of, of trying to back this up because they didn't let him they they knew that you couldn't look at it which was skeptical however they they did certain things to prove it like making her fill her mouth with water and keep the water in her mouth as Bill spoke and then spit the water out after his little session. So yeah, that like, like you were saying, so the, 
the the a really accurate part of the movie is that one scene where they have Janet sit down in the chair in the corner in Bill's chair. Um, which why the fuck would you keep old furniture in the house? But whatever. They're oh, they're broke. poor. I yeah. know. They're, I know they're poor. But Just want it. Yeah. I, I don't even like sleeping in hotel rooms. But anyways, so they there's a scene where Janet's sitting in the chair in Bill's chair, and they go to have her put water in her mouth to make sure that she's not the one doing a ventriloquist act. And she spits the water back out in the movie and says, hey, like, Bill won't come out with you guys looking at him. So, okay, they all turn around. She drinks the water again, or puts the water in her mouth again. And it's that's a really wild scene when they have Janet transform into Bill in the chair. And he's How good was him, that? And so subtle. Yeah, it was so good. It's one of those things where it's like halfway through, like, oh, shit, that's fucking wild. Yeah. Well, now we're talking about her taking form of a spirit and either the spirit possessing her or her just having the crazy ability to make up voices. But uh, a lot of people further on and later years asked Playfair why they didn't do a exorcism on Janet. And he his idea on this was that poltergeist were evil spirits. They're from the devil. And they are out to ruin something you did in a former life. So that's something to look into with he thought that Janet in her former life did something to hurt Bill Watson. And you also need to take into state during the time of them investigating, this is when two Roman Catholic priests were being held in trial for the Annalise. Is it Michael or Mitchell? Oh, hold on. I got to find that. Yeah. It's, it's M-I-C-H-E-L. I think it's Mitchell, yeah. Yes. Or Michel. <laughs> Probably not. So the... The word came from Germany of the trial of two Roman Catholic exorcists who were later found guilty of causing the death by negligence of Annalise Michael, a student from Klingenberg, Frankfurt. And that's why they were very skeptical because they, I mean, doctors stated that she might have had schizophrenia or maybe a second personality disorder. So they didn't want to get tied up in the same kind of thing. Hmm. Just get the Cumboni out. Cumboni. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's what's super fucking crazy about Bill Watson, and we'll we'll end we'll end part two here. I mean, this is crazy. We have to do part three. This is just yeah, we so just, much meat. We honestly thought we were gonna get this done in two parts, and we're looking at these notes and we're like, oh fuck! I hey. feel like we would be doing a disservice if yeah. we just cut this off. But so we are for you listeners. We are gonna be doing a part three on this, so we're gonna give you the last little bit of facts, and we're gonna close out. Yeah. So this is this is this is part two. We have so much juicy stuff to talk about. Tons of more audio in the next episode. Bear with us because in the next episode we have some concluding points into the insanity that happens and more scientific research and and, and events and and projects that Maurice and Playfair both do to figure out what's going on with Janet and the Hodgson family. Well, if you thought that they should have performed exorcisms on Janet please shoot us over an email about it at stuckinthispurgatory at gmail.com what a sly dog he is so sly was I done? I think I was you you are now you slide it in (laughs) (laughs) and if you want to go look at all of our different apps that we're on like Instagram Patreon Twitter 
everything else, go give our Instagram a look. We do have a link tree that Chase was so kindly to make on our Instagram. And our Instagram is at Stuck in this Purgatory. So give that link tr- tree a nice little click. Go follow everything on that link tree. And Chase, over to you. Yeah, I mean, all the love and... So- you know what? This is going to be like a fucking little infomercial. The lines are ringing right now. We have to read a, reach a certain donation amount over here, so we need you to call in and donate for this magical opportunity to listen to our podcast. Okay, that didn't really work out. Okay. <laughs> I think you should keep it. That's great. <laughs> Do it again. Billy Mays here. Exciting new invention. The donation wheel. All right, no, for real. Seriously, just go to our Instagram. It makes it so simple. The link tree is there. Follow our shit. Even if you don't follow our shit, at least listen to our shit, because it is shit. But at least it's educated shit. And then get on our fucking Patreon. Because our Patreon has even better shit that's actually worth something. And if you really want to hear the bullshit that we talk about on the side that you don't hear on this podcast, Patreon's for you, my guy. We love you. We thank you. And we cannot wait to do even more episodes and the exciting conclusion to the Enfield Poltergeist. Well... We just hit the knocks. <laughs> you will find oh, out on part three. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow, great, great segue. Bazinga. Bazinga. Uh, guys, again, thank you so much. Understand that if you can't you can't give to the Patreon, which we understand, just just go go give us a follow and a rating. That really does help the algorithm and keeps us keeps us flourishing, keeps these guys off the snowy roads plowing day in and day out. Get these boys home, alright? Get these boys home. Because we need it. We need them home. The boys are back in town. We need them back in town, all right? And and I, I don't know. I'm going with OG here. If you're feeling down and blue because Russia just invaded the Ukraine, you know what? It's okay. Because after all, we're all stuck in this purgatory. 